0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin Felix and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate.
1: All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself, boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. <laughs> you jumped up and? That's off the Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name, one, Zach
2: F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncourse for the wow. end zone, and he drops it in beautifully! And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown!
1: That's Matt Brody.
0: Scott Jr. Obviously, I've whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the
2: carry, watch out! Justin Fields held love
1: 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get All my popcorn out, out here.
0: Gotta continue. I, I gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher.
1: I'm. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time to get me represented soon. And for Matt Bruning in Austin Nate. I'm Felix Sharp. tonight, and good luck. It's 942 Eastern time. That means it's time for the Debbie debate brought to you by campus That's Matt Bruning. That's Colin Decker, and I'm Austin Nace. Felix, we could not put enough money together for his bail from this weekend at the Fantasy Football Expo, so you've got Colin for tonight. On tonight's show, what camp battles are already being decided? What the heck is going on in Nebraska? Why is Will Levis eating a banana like a crazy person? Will the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC alliance be good for college football? And who has the best team in the Debbie Debate Listener League. But first, some camp news. Let's chat some quarterback battles, guys. How's that sound? Sounds,
0: sounds like fun.
1: Perfect. All right. So the first one's not so fun. Mr. Jack Cohn. Uh, sounds like he is easily winning the battle at uh, at Notre Dame there over Drew Pine and everybody's favorite freshman, Tyler Buchner. What does this mean for Notre Dame this season, Matt? Uh, I think we, we've we talked
0: a lot about it. We don't think Notre Dame is going to be quite that good this year, and I think that just kind of confirms it. I also think it goes to something we talked a lot about earlier in the year, and Buchner not getting a chance, or Butchner, however you say it, uh, was not able to play last year because of COVID, and I think that clearly affected him more than maybe we thought it was. We thought, hey, he looked like this great freshman on tape his junior season. he's just going to come in and light it up at Notre Dame. They'd be stupid to go to him. The fact that they've already decided Cone's the guy after a couple spring, uh, the one spring game, a couple weeks of practice, and then the one uh, the fall practice here clearly I think means Buchner is farther behind than maybe we thought or hoped he would be, uh, and, and I don't think Cone is as bad as we make him out to be. He was a I would say middle tier quarterback at the college level with Wisconsin last time that he was healthy and playing with them, so he doesn't have. You know, he's probably had a little bit better weapons there at Notre Dame, but I, I think this is clearly a year they take a step back. They're not going to be what they were last year. Um, and and I, But I don't think we see Butchner at all, even if, if Cone ends up struggling. I think uh, it, it's going to be Cone's job all year long.
1: Middle-tier quarterback, Colin. Shouldn't Notre Dame hope for better than a middle-tier <laughs> college quarterback there? <laughs> When's the last
2: time they've had better than a middle-tier college quarterback?
1: hey say what you want say what you want Mm -hmm. uh you know the past couple years they've had good quarterback play for the college level right
2: um i mean good quarterback is questionable there um i mean matt said you know buckner looks behind you know what we thought he would look but honestly i mean he missed his um junior year with an injury uh he didn't play last year with covid so Or no, he missed his sophomore year with an injury, played his junior year, missed last year with, um, you know, with California and COVID. So I wasn't expecting him to come in and and look good at all. But Buckner was always a long term play. Um, So I thought this was very, very clearly going to be Cone's job. And, you know, so I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, You know, now how far Cone can take them. I'm not optimistic, um, you know, say what you want about Ian book, but you know, he at least managed the game well enough to keep them in games. Um, I think cone can probably do the same, but I think cone along with book, neither one of those guys are going to win them games. And I I think their ceiling is capped as long as they keep starting quarterbacks like that.
1: Man, so I really was about to say the phrase ceiling is capped. So thank you, yeah. Colin. First, I was going to say, Yes. You're so how I'm many how man. many
0: games uh, how many games do you think that they actually lose this year because they don't have a tough schedule the the you hardest have their schedule teams, up in front of you there Matt I do so Florida State win yeah in my opinion it's a win Toledo Purdue Wisconsin that's an interesting game I think they can still win that game I, I don't I don't know that Wisconsin would beat them then you get a couple of the harder games um, Cincinnati I think that's going to be a loss I've, I you know. John Lobb called it on your guys' podcast. I agree with him. I think Cincinnati goes undefeated, makes the playoffs. Then they get USC, UNC uh, as really the only other two on the schedule. So do you think they lose all three of those big games?
2: Probably not. Um, they probably lose two out of those three. Maybe – I'm not super optimistic about USC. Um, I think they'll give them a game. But uh, when do they play that game in the year? Do you know?
0: Uh, that that was, I think the, October yes. 23rd. Yes.
2: It could be dart season by then Who knows um, Clay Helton could be gone by that point. So, you know, we'll see how USC looks at that point. But um, I think two losing two out of those three is reasonable. And then beyond that, um, they're just, they're just a well-coached team. And, you know, they lose their defensive coordinator in Clark Lee, but they get Marcus Freeman, who's also a very good defensive coordinator in his own right. So I don't think that defense loses much of a step. They kind Williams is still there. Um, they do get uh, outside receivers, Austin and Lindsey back. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they'll, you know, probably have two losses, but I don't think they're a playoff team.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll be tough to uh, to have a repeat of last year. Uh, this one we put on here, especially for you, Colin. Hudson Card. Sounds like he is finally starting to take some first-team reps over Casey Thompson at Texas. This has been a a longer and more drawn-out quarterback battle than most, I think, probably thought when they hired Steve Sarkeesian uh, earlier this offseason. Are we buying Hudson Card? Colin? I mean, I was never
2: really not buying him. Um, I maintained the whole time that I thought he was either going to start game one Or if he didn't, uh, I thought he would likely take over uh, after Texas potentially struggles with UL in week one. I mean, I think Louisiana is a very good team. They bring back a lot of guys from their team last year who uh, they finished top 20. I want to say it was like right around like the 15-ish mark, I believe. Um, So it was a very good team from last year. They bring pretty much everybody back. So I think that that was going to be a tough game for Texas. Um, I don't love that. I don't actually love that Card is. It might start that game because I think that that game could go poorly, and they may look to make a change at that point. But I do think if Card wins the job, I think it's kind of over for Thompson unless Card falls absolutely flat on his face in a game or two. Because I think they want Card to take this job. I think they want him to be the future there. So I, I mean, I'm. I was never not buying him, but it might be too late to buy him at this point.
1: Uh, Matt, yeah. what say you?
0: I mean, definitely poor one out for Felix. Too bad he couldn't be here to you know, defend Casey Thompson <laughs> oh, and how, how amazing he was. I know. As Convenient. soon as he saw that on the show, she'd also was like, oh, you know what, guys? I, I, there's some things that just came up. No, I, <laughs> I find it very interesting. So they were talking. Uh, I was reading a lot of the stuff from uh, the um, I think it was on two longhorn coverage stuff saying that he just recently started taking more and more snaps with the ones over Casey Thompson, but that the locker room is quite divided by this, that there's a lot of guys who are on Casey Thompson's side and want to see him start based on what he did last year. And then there's some guys who are on Hudson Card's side. I wonder how much that possibly splits that locker room with the new head coach in there like Sark and how that might work out. Also, there was rumors that maybe they're having cards start right now, because they have an open practice this week for the fans and for the media, an entire scrimmage where they're saying Hudson card is going to get to start with the ones. And that's going to be like their way of faking you into thinking cards going to be the starter. And then they flip the script and Thompson starts week one. So there's definitely a lot of interesting stuff going down there with Texas that they've got to be full of drama uh, all the time. I'm very interested to see how that turns out. But I mean, I've, I've been right there with you, Colin, on the card train. I've said from day one, he should start. You know, just to let him go out there, get his nose bloody, even if he struggles. He's the future of Texas for at least this year, or next year. Let him go out there. Let him start seeing what he can do with Sark because he's the more Sark quarterback. I think he just does more of what Sark wants out of his quarterbacks than Casey Thompson does.
1: I I think I left my my tinfoil hat at home today, um, so I'm not sure I'm <laughs> buying. I'm, I'm buying. The you know, that's just what they today. say.
0: That's just what they say.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and now that's what you say. So. And yeah, I gotta go. bring
0: the news to the people. Trust me, is <laughs> the defeat I'm about to admit here in a minute. I've got to, uh you know, I'm, I'm bringing out all the facts for everything here. So
1: we're all taking some L's tonight, here, folks. Uh, Joe Milton, for yourself. Joe Milton, who we all thought was left for dead months ago, is alive and kicking at Tennessee, and it sounds like he is the leader for that starting quarterback position over Harrison Bailey, Hendon Hooker, and others. What what do we do here, Uh, Colin? Do we care? Do we not care? Is this bad for Tennessee? Is it bad for any players that we might care about at Tennessee?
2: This is bad for everybody involved. Um, I don't think Milton's very good. I think we saw it last year. He had one game where he looked decent and then just kind of fell on his face, but I think they, they kind of brought Joe Milton in, in a similar situation to the next guy that we'll talk about where they want, kind of wanted to give him the job. So I think that, you know, they kind of, now that he's on campus, they're kind of pushing him towards being the leader of the job and I my biggest question is how long does he actually hold on to that because we saw him collapse last year I don't think he's going to I don't think he dramatically improved so I think he there's very likely he falls on his face again this year um, and then at that point though, my guess is they probably turn to Bailey um, that's kind of who the fan base at least from what I've been seeing and I'm not like entrenched in Rocky Top here or anything but Uh, It seems like the fan base kind of like is on Bailey. So that's probably the direction they'll go after Milton falls on his face. So I would probably go buy Bailey right now and then maybe buy some of those weapons in a week or two after Milton struggles early.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen a collapse uh, like Milton since that Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl. Matt, do you have any opinions (laughs) on this? Not, not you're done talking. Matt.
0: Oh man, that was just mean. Um, so I hate to burst. I'm just crying
2: uh, here, sorry. I just didn't want to I, I, see a
0: grown I man cry. To, uh, I hate to burst Collins' bubble here, but according to two four seven Sports, uh, Hooker is actually the number two right now for Tennessee. It's which not bursting is even, my bubble. Well, now just it, it's even more surprising because like Bailey has been like this supposed savior of this of this school for the past year, and it looks like he's going to get passed over. Now, how much of that is the new coaching staff? And everything coming in there. You know, I agree with what Colin said on Milton. I, I don't expect much out of him. I think Kyle Francis was the one. I can't remember who tweeted out the picture of him and said, Man, this dude looks uh this dude looks great. And then Kyle Francis was like, Yeah, he looks great in that pose, but let's see if he can actually complete a pass or something. It was a <laughs> hilarious like comp uh. Comment to the tweet that was put out there, but I, I, I'm with you. I think he's obvious. I don't think he's going to do much there for Tennessee. So then if hooker goes out there, is he able to keep that starting job long enough to then keep Bailey at bay for another year? And if that happens, does Bailey transfer? Does he stay there? Cause I think hookers, a super senior, right? Or COVID senior. He can't stay after this year. Is that correct? I can't remember a, off the top of my head. I see Moxley feverishly typing away in the background, so he's probably going to fact-check me here at yeah, the end of the you're show. Get, I can't you're going to get
2: reality.
0: Yeah. But I, I would imagine if Hooker if Hooker ha- can't stay, it's only one more year. So I, I just don't know what that means for the future of Bailey because there's a lot of people in the Debbie community who are very high on him as well as like one of these quarterbacks who who has an NFL future. And the fact that he seems to not be able to get ahead of, uh, ahead of these quarterbacks that we all – Perceive is not quite as good as him. I think is a little bit nerve wracking.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't like Milton was uh, particularly excellent against, uh, you know, opposition last year and the opposition wasn't excellent either. Uh, they played uh, Minnesota, Michigan state, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Rutgers during his run last year, went two and three. And in many of those games, he completed 50% or fewer of his passes. So Tennessee fans buckle up. It might be a rough one there for you. Will Levis, aside from his banana-eating shenanigans, has apparently won the job at Kentucky. Um, He he transferred in there this offseason from Penn State. There was a short battle with Joey Gatewood, uh, who was a little bit of the presumptive starter, and now it's been announced that Levis has that job. Um, Guys, do we care at all? Is this a good – let's phrase it this way because I don't care about Will Levis. Is this good for Wandale Robinson, Matt? Possibly. So I heard
0: the reason Levis transferred from Penn State was because he wanted to go to a school that viewed him more as a quarterback, not a runner, which is apparently the way Penn State viewed him. I can let Colin comment on that. He's the big Penn State fan. I don't pay attention to them at all, except for the week that they play the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, so outside of that, I mean, I, I guess if he if he truly goes in, out there and beats Gatewood, it's got to mean he looked better. I mean, I, I imagine they didn't just pick him because I – mean, I'm gonna be hundred percent honest here, dude's a fucking Adonis. I mean, he was eating that banana, which was a little <laughs> bit weird. He was a good-looking dude, clearly. Jack, really great hair game. I mean, dude's on point. I'll give him that. So he won. He didn't just win the job on his good looks alone. That's so what you took
1: away from that video.
0: That is what I took away. I- how like, good? <laughs> I wish that? I looked that good, man. I would have been a. <laughs> Bigger hit at the Expo. Anyways, so, I mean, come on. That hair, dude, the hair game. You just sit there, his shoulder. I mean, he was jacked, dude. Anyways, so, yeah, I imagine he didn't win the game, though, on his, or win the job on his good looks. Clearly, he went out there and impressed. So, if he was better than Gatewood, that's got to mean at least something good for Wandale. I hope. I hope.
1: Colin?
2: Um, In terms of Wandale, I... I like Wandale a lot, and I really wish he could be, he could have like a good quarterback because Adrian Martinez, not good. I don't think Joey Gatewood would be good. (laughs) How dare you? As a passer, I don't think Will Levis would be good. So he just kind of went from one bad situation to another. So at this point, you're kind of just hoping that he gets to the NFL and somebody figures out how to use him and how to get the ball to him because I don't know how much production he's actually going to put up this year. And I think that regardless of who had ended up starting that, like it would have been tough. Um, I do still, I'm still optimistic about his his NFL chances. I think he's, he's a little bit gadgety, but I think he's a good enough player that they're going to find a role for him. And he's also dynamic. So I see him getting decent draft capital. Uh, So I, I think you're at this point, you're just kind of hoping for, him to just come out unscathed this year and, and move on and forget his, his college years.
1: It, it seems like Wandale is the new Allen Robinson. Same last name there. Maybe they're long lost brothers. Um uh, <laughs> that you just you can't find themselves a quarterback uh <laughs> worth anything. We hope Allen Robinson found his this offseason. Um, um I'm sure wants I'm sure Wandale's is still Andy the, Dalton? The perfect quarterback for Wandale Robinson well, is out there somewhere.
0: <laughs> Andy Dalton sure is sure as hell thinks so by his comments, but no I'm talking <laughs> about Justin Fields.
1: Yeah. All right. Final piece of news here, Matt. We're going to come to you first on this one, buddy. (sighs) CJ Stroud, everybody's favorite Ohio State quarterback, has all but been named the Buckeye starter there. A lot of the local guys have said that he's really starting to pull away there. Um, Obviously, a lot of other big names in that quarterback room for anybody that this is their first time listening to the show. Uh, We have Mr. Quinn Ewers, the number one uh, quarterback in this year's class there. We have Kyle McCord, uh, one of the top guys in this past class, uh, and and a friend of the show, someone we had on the show. Um, Jack Miller, who somehow gets lost in all of this, but a (laughs) four-star in his own right. Um, But Stroud has the job. Matt, do you have like a video or something here, prepped that we aren't aware of? No, I thought about
0: it, but, you know... Once Felix, I knew, wasn't going to be on the show, I realized I didn't have to play a video because it would have just been unsufferable listening to him not shut up for five minutes. So that's one reason why I'm glad he he, he didn't make it on the show today. No, it's, I'll send out a tweet when it's official just to respect my privacy. I'm probably going to take a couple days off Twitter just to, you know, because I don't want to see my mentions. But, uh, I mean, it's it really comes down to what I thought wasn't going to matter. And, and I have to be honest, you said it from the beginning, it mattered that CJ Stroud was there last year. And clearly that's been kind of the biggest takeaway I've gotten from all of this stuff. I have quotes from, I went and listened to Garrett Wilson. He was interviewed today that he hasn't really been around the media at all this off season, uh, but he talked about the quarterback cause they asked him and it's all been pretty much said that CJ is going to be the star. They haven't named him. And I think some of that is just kind of the, Politics of them not wanting to say he's a starter because then do we see like a Joey Gatewood situation where McCord and Miller just enter the transfer portal and leave? And then you leave Quinn Ewers, who literally just showed up on campus three days ago, uh, to be your backup quarterback who has no experience whatsoever. Uh, but he compared CJ to Russell Wilson and the way he throws the ball, especially the deep ball. He just said it's a very catchable ball. Um, I thought this uh, just speaks so much to, to Jack Miller, which uh, I know, right? Um, which I thought it's was funny. just funny. It's one of those, uh, try-hard quotes, right? He's like, so Jack Miller, he's just that dude that's always out there keeping the energy. He's always running around. He's going to keep you laughing. He throws darts and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we love all three of the quarterbacks. That's all he had to say about about Miller, which I kind of felt bad because <laughs> he definitely seems to be the guy that's left out. But this is the one, and again, I know, I've am I, I fully admitted I'm a Kyle McCord homer, uh, but I, I this meant a lot, and this is why I'm really interested to see what happens with this kid's future, is he said, Kyle is the hardest working quarterback I've ever met. From the day he walked in, he's had a huge impact on getting us all out on the field, getting us to go throw the ball even when we didn't want to. That's something that can't be understated regardless of what happens because Kyle is my guy. I absolutely love him. He didn't have to say that stuff. So I think that just goes to, you know, Austin, you've talked a lot about how you like Kyle McCord. You think he's one of the better quarterbacks. In this, last, uh, in this past freshman class, it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes because I, I don't have any doubt in my mind he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder. I wouldn't even say a little. He's going to have a massive chip on his shoulder. And if he ends up going to another team, I think it's going to work out very good for them uh, to get a guy like that. But it definitely seems like CJ is going to be the guy. And we'll see what happens. Obviously, I don't think that they pull him if he starts playing bad. The only way I think he loses that job at this point is if he gets injured.
1: That quote was very much Ryan Day saying, "Kyle, please don't leave." Right? No, that
0: wasn't Kyle. That was Garrett Wilson. That was, oh, it was Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Quote. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Garrett
0: okay. was so he hasn't been in front of the media at all because he's been dealing with an injury. And today was the first day he actually got a chance to talk to the media. And they asked him about the course. He mentioned Quinn too, but it was just a. I mean, I don't know much about him. He just showed up, really quiet on the field, <laughs> but a pretty cool dude in the locker room. That's all he said about him. So he,
1: he descended from the sky, and he was here. This his luscious flow. Yes. Yes. Colin, do you have any thoughts on that situation before we uh, hop into some some different topics here?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was uh, to everybody but Matt, it was kind of predictable, um, you know, how this was going to play out. And anybody who listened to um, our show this week, the summer school episode, Felix's hot take, bold take was that Kyle McCord is in the transfer portal um, before the season really starts.
0: Of course I, I did.
2: think that is still very likely. I've been saying throughout this process, but since the, they brought Quinn Ewers on that uh, McCord should be pissed. Uh, he should absolutely be pissed off. He was disrespected here. I think, um, you know, and, and it's not all Ohio state's fault that Quinn Ewers is on campus. Um, I think a lot of that probably initiated with Quinn Ewers kind of exploring that. Um, but, you know, Ryan day still could have, you know, maybe cooled it off a little bit, um, but didn't he, I'm assuming he was, you know, gung-ho to get him on campus. And, you know, Kyle McCord's left out in the cold now, so he definitely needs to transfer somewhere. I think this is a good buying opportunity, though, for uh, Kyle McCord in C2C
1: or Debbie Leagues. So, Austin. Yeah. Yes.
0: you You willing to move Kyle McCord? i are not going to be the starter anymore. <laughs> so My fingers are still
1: crossed that Mr. McCord is very homesick. Ohio is just not the same as Pennsylvania. I've always said that. Now that I've been in Ohio, I can I can finally say that. <laughs> Pittsburgh is beautiful this time of year. Today it was only rained for two-thirds of the day and only made me sweat through my shirt at the company picnic within an hour. It wasn't that humid. So I think he would really like it here in Pittsburgh if, if he chooses to leave oh, and, and come why back Why would he want to
0: go to Pitt? Like, I could see Penn State. Then you got Drew Aller coming next year, but...
1: Look, I'll What's be honest. I'm say Izzy? it
0: again, and Matt Wispay, when you listen to this, I hope wherever he goes, he comes back and he throws it back in Ohio State's
1: face. That That's a perfect final word there. Um, Because we're going to hold you to that. All righty. Some interesting news coming out of Nebraska here over the past twenty-four hours or so. Uh, It is being uh, alleged that uh, two different violations going on there. The. First, that uh, Nebraska has been improperly uh, using their analysts that are on the coaching staff there. There are some different restrictions there in terms of what they can and cannot do, uh, especially as it relates with recruiting. And it sounds like they, they have uh, possibly violated those rules. And then the other, which I think is probably a little bit of a bigger deal, uh, the uh, holding practices or holding workouts off campus last year so they could not be detected by uh, the – the administration there at the school. And then obviously beyond that, possibly the NCAA as well. So I've heard some interesting uh, theories on this one. We're going to, we're going to go uh, conspiracy theory diving here. Like Matt did earlier that, that they Scott Frost, it costs, I believe $20 million to fire him at this point. Uh, yes. if, if there is no cause to do so. And now there might be some cause. So do we think that Nebraska is trying to hide behind this investigation to get rid of coach frost, Colin?
2: Um, I don't think they're hiding
1: behind it right
2: now. Um, I think they are going to hide behind it. Um, But I think that right now they're just kind of in, in a wait and see mode. Um, It wouldn't make any sense to fire frost now, like right before the season starts. So you know, I think he's safe for m- at least most of this year. Uh, and Nebraska has a fairly soft start to the schedule. Uh, I think, but I think they get Illinois in week one, which is pretty soft. Their non-cons pretty soft as well. Um, so I think that there's a decent chance that they have a, a, a solid start to the year and, you know, it'll probably tail off at the end of the year. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if Frost makes it all the way through the year, but uh, I don't think he gets fired at the beginning of the year here. But uh, if he doesn't at least take him to a bowl game, I think they could very easily fire him with cause after this. And um, I'm sure it'll go to litigation or whatever, and they'll pay some sort of a buyout, but it won't be the 20 million that they would have paid before.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with Colin. I mean, they start, okay, so it's Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo. Then they get the game against Oklahoma, which will be a loss. Then Michigan State, you got Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue. All those are winnable games. They're not going to beat Ohio State. and Then you get Wisconsin and Iowa. So there's a realistic shot that they only lose maybe three, four games. That means they get into a bowl game. So I'm with Colin. I think if this season doesn't go well, they are 100% going to use this to fire him with cause and just go to him and be like, hey, look, you know, you're, you're the prodigal son. You were, you were with Nebraska back in the day. You came back, you were going to try and take us to a playoffs. It didn't quite work out. We're going to let you go, but Hey, let's, let's figure out what buyout works well for you and let's leave on good terms. Uh, supposedly the um, what's it? Um, supposedly this investigation has been going on for a year. So I can't imagine that it's just going to end here in the next couple weeks. I think it's definitely going to drag on the rest of the season and it's going to coincidentally depend on uh, how well uh, Nebraska does, but I agree with what Moxley pointed out that Frost equals Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, it, it's exactly what happened there in Tennessee, and I think clearly what Colin said, based on how Nebraska does this year, will be based on what happens with Frost at the end of the season.
1: Frost's big problem is that he never found his quarterback there. I don't. I'm already talking about him like he's gone. I, <laughs> I don't want to because I actually I well, think they haven't there's less developed
0: a- anybody though, have they?
1: I think there's less of a chance that he's gone than you guys are insinuating. Um, I think if they actually, make a bowl game, he stays. That's pretty low—a mm-hmm. low bar for a fan base that thinks they're a lot more than that at this point. And I'm not having yeah, mean, whether that's the same way. Or not. I mean, Michigan <laughs> thinks there's
0: something, and they can't even make bowl games either.
1: So I, I love that Felix is not here, and all of a sudden it's just open season on on him <laughs> as, as his absence. <laughs> um, but but he's never found his quarterback, and I think that has really his offense is very quarterback driven. You know, he, the running back really doesn't matter for him. He'll rotate whoever in there. Um, but, and they've had some big athletic guys, but they haven't had anybody to get them the ball. I think that that ultimately, if, if he is to leave, that that is ultimately going to be his downfall. He's going to send, uh, anonymous hate emails to Adrian (laughs) Martinez for the rest of his life. Uh, because Martinez is really the reason why he's potentially gone. Um, Anybody else have anything to say on that particular topic? No. Okay. Final topic here before uh, we talk a little bit about some of these uh, C2C rosters. And this is actually a really interesting question. I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys say. There is an alliance forming. The biggest alliance since world. No, we're not going to go there. Um, (laughs) Between... The power the the Power Five conferences that are not the SEC, uh, it's going it's it supposedly is going to be ACC, Big Ten, Pac twelve are all looking to enter some sort of a TV slash scheduling deal that would see them combat some of the marquee matchups that you'll see down in the SEC this year, especially once Texas and Oklahoma have made their move over there. Is this? a good thing for college football that's i'll start off with that question
0: yes i think so okay uh so obviously i think this is a whether or not i think it this does happen especially with texas and oklahoma going to the sec that puts them at 16 schools now if i'm remembering correctly they're going to be the big dogs and i know a lot of people keep saying that this kind of puts the 12-team playoff on hold because that gives the SEC a better chance of getting more teams in the 14. But I actually don't see that because if Oklahoma can't go out and win their conference and beat Alabama, they're not getting in, or Texas is not getting, or Georgia. Like you're only going to get two SEC teams into the playoffs in the four team, anyways. If that, but, you're still not going to get that in every single year. Go ahead, sorry.
1: But what about the new proposed? Uh, playoff that that sounded like it wasn't you know and right. basically a done deal the
0: 12 team one yeah that's yeah. so that's what i was getting to so i okay. think that that's why they are doing that is because now all the talk was with the SEC doing this kind of negotiating with oklahoma and texas behind everyone else's back right like hey well, let's do this 12 team playoff and then as soon as it's hey this is pretty much a done deal we're waiting on espn and all of a sudden hey here come texas and oklahoma to the sec to so now give them like six teams in the playoffs every year putting these three conferences together and having probably what I would think is going to be some kind of the best teams playing each other throughout the year is is going to help boost them I think over the SEC because you'll have Ohio, Ohio State uh Big 10 uh, they pretty much are Big 10 East the Big 10 East like playing the Pac-12 East or whatever, and then the Big Ten West is playing the SEC, whatever, and they mix and match so that the best teams are playing each other, which is why I think it is better for college football because now you're going to see games like Ohio State-Oregon happening more often where I don't even remember the last time Ohio State played Oregon outside of the national championship game. We get it this year, but if those three teams combine, now you're going to see Ohio State-Clemson play each other more often than just the playoffs. You could get that every other year or every three years. So I think – having all those big teams like Wisconsin-Clemson, while I think Clemson would win the game, that'd be a fun game to watch. I think that'd be a really good game, USC versus Michigan, if they ever get good again. Like Seeing these Boston College right now, they've been pretty good the past couple years, seeing them go up against a Wisconsin or an Oregon, USC. Like Seeing all these teams that we don't really get to see face off against each other now playing each other every year and finding ways to do like they do in basketball, the Big Ten, Pac-12 challenge or the Big Ten ACC challenge and having to go back and forth to kind of help boost their ratings and make their schedules look better I think is going to help them end up getting more teams into the playoffs than the SEC because they might move away from playing some of those SEC teams during the year so that all the SEC has is to beat up on themselves and the the middle conference teams.
2: Yeah, I, I think that this is going to be good for college football for, for most, pretty much for all the reasons Matt said there. Um, but I think this was something that they kind of, those conferences kind of had to do because with the SEC getting Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, the SEC was already um, kind of the gold standard as far as conferences go. Then you add two blue blood programs, two high earning schools, they'll bring in a lot of TV ratings. You know, it was really going to be dominant as far as the SEC goes, and and ESPN, um, you know, kind of has them, you know, locked up a little bit there. So those were going to be all the games that you see. Now, Fox is the Big Twelve, so I mean that nobody cares about the Big Twelve anymore. Sorry, there's just Ohio or Iowa State, but. You know, you're you're only relevant really because of Matt Campbell, and if he ever decides to leave, I think that they just fall back into obscurity again.
1: Well, we just so talked about th- Nebraska, so they must be relevant, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? I don't get it.
2: Um, so I think that these, I think the Big Ten uh, and the Pac-12 had to do something. Uh, It's an interesting choice that they brought in. It's the AAC, right? Or no, it's the ACC. ACC, yeah. ACC, yeah. So all three of them, they kind of had to do something. So I like the alliance where, you know, they'll bring in, you know, scheduling and they'll do something like Matt said with like, you know, Big Ten ACC crossover or, you know, something like that. So they'll get some of their big teams playing each other. They'll get some ratings. They'll, They'll get some more TV money. Um, as far as the playoff goes now, um, I mean, wasn't the proposal that you know it was going to be like the Power Five conferences all got their champion in? Wasn't it, that kind of how they were leaning it?
1: The, it's the I believe it was twelve teams: the top mm. five Power Five champions, plus I think the the, the, the highest five. ranked five mm-hmm. conference yeah. champion. and six at large, and then six at large. Is I believe was how it was yeah. laid out. Yeah,
2: yeah, so you can't do. Yeah, you can't do that anymore with the way the Big 12 looks. You can't give the Big 12 an automatic bid. Um, that's just, that team's probably going to get wiped. I mean, uh, the AAC is almost as good as the Big 12 with, you know, who they have there now, I think. So I think they had to put that on hold and they have to restructure it. So I think you might see that the 14 playoff lasts a little bit longer. So I think that's actually going to hurt the SEC in the, in the short term
1: here. That literally just involves crossing one line off the proposal, right? Like just taking a pen and drawing through it.
0: See, but I, I think if they add, if they take like a Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, I mean, I know they're not great teams, but if they put those guys in the Big 12, I still think the winner of that will get a bid. I mean, Cincinnati has been a good team. UCF, I mean... I know they're not the yeah, same. If as you, when- If you
2: combine them, I think, but I was talking more separate. I,
0: I think they will. There's no way that – I don't think the Big 12 is just going to fold completely. I, I don't – I think they're going to add somebody. Who, I don't know. If they go out and add like a Tulane and Houston, then yeah, I I'm, I kind of agree with you there. But if they're able to get like a Cincinnati or a UCF to come in there and then even add two more teams from, from – uh, what is it, the AAC – then i do think that they'll still keep them as part of the power 5 hey whoever wins this gets that automatic bid
1: it's definitely an interesting i don't know exactly how how they'll um they'll play this out um does this if they make this move and let's assume that maybe they there's like two crossovers a year. Like, you know, uh, one of you just mentioned the kind of how basketball does where you, you have like the ACC versus big 10 showdown or whatever. Say like they do that twice between the three, like a triangle and they kind of match up like that. Does that schedule then put them over the sec teams? Do you think?
0: Depending? So I think it depends on how they schedule it. Okay. So, Like, I I was looking at it as an. I want to say it was. I I heard, I want to say it was a cover three that was talking about this as well. If they do it the way that, like, I I used earlier, Big Ten East, say, plays, I can't remember what the divisions are in the Pac 12. Is it the South and South? South? Okay. So, say that they play the South, this, but then the other game is the ACC, whatever. So, say Ohio State ends up getting USC. And Boston – well, Boston College has been good the past couple years. Boston College or whatever. There's really only ever Clemson in that anyways. But I do think that helps because you're getting top – especially if USC ever returns. I think that helps compared to what's Oklahoma really going to get every year, like Georgia. I mean, they'll still probably play Texas. Texas. But I don't think they're going to have that many high end games either. They don't always cross play each other all year long, right? Like, you don't always get Alabama, Georgia every single year. Some years you don't get that till the SEC championship. So they're not going to play each other every single year. Where if you get Ohio State's always going up against one of, if they schedule it to where, hey, our top tier teams, whatever, whoever it is that year in the rankings, like you schedule it out, they're going to play October 23rd this year and it's going to be based on when the season starts going. You see the rankings come out, and this year it's Stanford takes a leap up like they did a couple years ago. Okay, Ohio State sitting at the top of the conference. They're going to play Stanford this year because they're already in the top 15. I think that does help them because then you're getting all those top matchups, and we see that that matters to the committees when you go out there and you beat those higher-ranked teams. So if Alabama goes out there and they only beat Oklahoma before they play Georgia in the championship game, but Ohio State's going out there and they beat Clemson and Stanford and win the Big 10 championship, I think that jumps them over an Alabama or a Georgia who only has played two teams at that point.
2: I think you're just kind of discounting the strength of the SEC there. I mean, you know, you said Alabama only plays Georgia or only plays Oklahoma, but what about LSU, what about Auburn, what about A&M? Like those are all going to be teams that the committee is going to view highly. I mean, they already do. They already kind of view SEC wins over you know, intra-conference opponents a little bit higher than the other conferences. So I think that the SEC is still going to have the advantage in terms of the eye test, um, you know, by the committee. But I think this helps narrow the gap at least.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's all fair. Yeah. Um... I don't know if I have an opinion on it one way or the other. I think it'll be difficult to do it the way you want to do it, Matt, with scheduling and people buying tickets ahead of time. That's always why some of those, you know, last minute or even you know halfway through the year decisions uh, can be kind of kind of difficult. Um, so they would have to kind of come up with a creative solution uh, uh, for that. But I think it would be it would be an intriguing option for them, both from a money perspective. I think they got really creative here. They really, really did without a lot of options and without you know i think they all probably sat there like in the office where they all like are pointing at each other with the guns like who's going to steal whose whose guys and someone said wait a minute what we none of us have to steal anybody we can kind of come to this this other conclusion and everybody can kind of win um so should it be really really interesting um any final thoughts there guys before we move on to the last uh, little piece of the show here tonight nope all right so nope. i'm going to kick this over to you matt because you have a lot more of an idea of what's going on with this than I do. Yes. I'm just here to look pretty and talk funny. So, and I did both right. those things already.
0: So, Alfred, um, I'm not going to go. He sent me like a whole. So, we're going to break down. We did a Debbie Debate Listener League here. Um, and I asked Colin and Alfred, whose opinions I respect, to kind of grade the teams and not know I blocked out the name, so they did not know whose team was what. So I didn't see so Colin didn't purposely rate Austin's team horrible, just to kind of get at him on the show. And same thing with Alfred. Um However, Alfred went more in depth on how he decided to grade teams and actually grading the teams. I don't really want to read through the like six paragraphs of how he decided to rate the teams, but pretty much it came down to a grading system of all around all stars, future stars, wild cards, CFB only, and just meh. So I want to uh, go with uh, Colin. I'm going to ask you because I'm curious to see if you two have the same top team. What is the top team for you that you graded out, out of the 14 teams?
2: Um, there were a couple teams that I did really like a lot, um, but I think overall the top team for me was uh, Team 8. Uh, the QB room was a little shallow, uh, but I think there's enough of some NFL potential um, with um, Haynes King, Michael Penix there, potential. Oh, Grant, oh, oh. Wells, Grant Wells is an outside shot. Um no, it's not yours. And if if um, Spencer Sanders returns to form, he could be a serviceable like college option too. So you you get a little bit of that there. Um, but besides that, I think this RB room is the second favorite that I have. Um, I'm not going to say who's his first yet. I will wait till those breakdowns. Uh, but it offers some really nice productions. It offers some high end. Um, it offers some high-end Debbie potential guys. The wide receiver room, top to bottom for teammate, was was the best by far. Um, the, it's an excellent young trio with Boutte, Jarrett, and Wally. Um, uh-huh. Dante Wright, Ja'Corey Roberson um, gave you a little bit of production on the college side. There's some nice developmental pieces, some nice dart throws in there. The tight end option room is is decent as well. Um, that's a recurring theme along a lot of these teams is that the, uh, the tight ends rooms were a little shallow, uh, but that'll happen in a fourteen team. But uh, I gave this this team an A. Um, I think they need a little bit more help at QB, like a, another maybe a high end Debbie pick there, um, Debbie option, and then it would be an A plus.
0: So team eight was Jay Haggerty's team. So congratulations, he's in the <laughs> chat too. There you go. That's right, Jay. You were ranked the highest by Colin. Uh, Alfred, I don't know if you guys can see that on the screen. I can put. I'm gonna bring Moxley near too, since Moxley is part of the part of the listener league here. So he had him had eight at uh, I don't even know what spot that is. Probably easier to just do it on my phone. He had you as team six, so right right above uh, halfway with a ranking of twenty point five points there, Jay. So <laughs> fairly fairly well liked, I guess, in both of them.
1: Jay Snipe-citted me this entire... This was the most frustrating draft I've ever done in my life, God, and I did an auction true. where Brandon Hay just bid me up the entire draft. <laughs> and this was more frustrating <laughs> than that. Um, partially because Brandon was also in this draft, but also partially because by round 10, all of my sleepers were gone. Like, 12 rounds early, people were I was like, okay, you guys are just being assholes. So, Colin, he Alfred has Team 10 as his favorite.
0: Where did you have Team 10 rated?
2: And what was your write-up? I'll,
0: I'll I'll read Alfred's really quick while you're looking for it. So Alfred said, okay. Team 10 comes in as the strongest squad. Burt, Downs, Harris is a nice trio of now and later stars. Williams and Drake provide some future stars, while the CFB-only production is bolstered by Rivers, Cropper, Zappi, and the two Western Michigan Broncos, Jefferson and Hall. A few wild cards like Trey Sanders and Darnell Washington spice things up for a well-rounded team. Team 10 was Luke. So, Luke, I, I don't know how to say your last name, Pro, Pro Basek, I think, uh, was Alfred's best team um, according to his grades, how he graded out the teams.
2: Um, so I didn't give, like, a number grade on it. I just gave a letter grade. Um, right. But uh, I gave Team 10 a B B+. Um, I think it is a decent QB room. Um, there's one Debbie option with Drake May. Maybe a second in Grant Gannell, but probably not. Um, but I think there's some solid college producers at the QB position there with Gannell, um, Cornelius Brown, Zappi, um, on, um, with an eye towards the future with Millen, Clay Millen, and Drake May. Um, there's definitely a solid RB room. It's got some potential with Kendall Milton um, and Kevin Harris, along with uh, Kamaro Edmonds. It has some nice college producers too, Ronnie Rivers. Um, uh, Greg Bell, uh, Jefferson, and Oscar Attaway. But wide receiver, definitely the strength of the team. Uh, Mookie Cooper, um, Traylon Burks, Josh Downs, Mario Williams, Destin Hill, um, some college producers in there as well. Downs should do well with that, but Cropper, Pimpleton, and Jalen Hall. The TE room um, also is pretty solid. Darnell Washington, Charlie Kohler, Geek Scott, and Luke Lackey. There's a little bit of NFL potential there. Um, you know, I think that they may be in a little bit of trouble production wise if Guy Scott doesn't pan out um, because oh, pan out, I don't maybe. I don't know how much production Darnell Washington's going to have. Um, but beyond that, I think it was a very nice squad.
0: All right. So let's go down Alfred's list. And I'll just say you can tell where his bread is buttered by whose team he likes the most out of the four <laughs> of us. And. Uh, I will also say that he was not kind in the liking of the three, three of the four teams uh, in this league, the the host of this show. I'll put it that way. Uh, So he had team one coming in second with a a rating of 22.5. Team one was App State Avery. What did you have for them, uh, Colin?
2: (laughs) This one was a really hard one for me. Um, I gave them a B minus. They have an excellent QB room good high-end Debbie talent there. They got um, Spencer Rattler, JT Daniels, um, Sam Heward, uh, Preston Stone, Derek King, Donovan McCulley. I like that room a lot. It's a little light on immediate college production, but Rattler and King should give you some solid weeks. But man, that RB room was rough. It was rough. Um, there's not one option in that room. I would feel good starting in college or translating to the NFL with Evan Pryor being the possible exception there. Um, there's not a lot of college production there either. Um, so that's, that, that room is tough. The wide receiver room is really nice from a Debbie perspective though. Uh, they got Mims, H- uh, Gia Hall, Nice Smith, Quentin Johnson, Dion Smith, um, Leary. Um, you know, so they got a lot of, they got a lot of really nice Debbie options there. Not a ton of college producers, but that's okay. Um, you know, it depends on kind of where you're going with that team. It seems like they may be skewed a little more Debbie heavy. Um, I was also counting Gilbert as a tight end for now, uh, but that's a pretty strong room. Um, even without Gilbert at tight end, they got Will Mallory and they got Ruckert. Uh, they'll probably need to add a piece because I think both of those guys leave, but you can kind of figure out the tight end position a little bit later. Um, this team would be significantly higher if that RB room wasn't wasn't so bad.
0: So, what team did you think was Moxley's? I, oh, I asked three. you guys to team three, team three. Okay, so, so yeah, you not nailed a question. That, right. that is team three, yeah. and team three is Moxley, who finishes third in Alfred's rankings as well with the 22.5. Um, he did not put a write up on here for team three. Uh, so go ahead and give us a breakdown on Moxley's. He was ranked the highest out of the, the four host. <laughs> Uh, So you guys know who was liked the most out of the four of us uh, by YouTube.
2: Yeah, I said I was very confident this is Moxley's team. There's several classic Mox specials on here. Um, Buckner, uh, Dwayne McBride, Day-Day Hunter, Cameron Ross. Those last two really sealed it for me. Yeah, I I think this, uh, this is a solid QB room. A nice mix of Debbie talent and college production here. Um, you know, you get DTR, you get Brandon Armstrong, Emory Jones should at least give you some production there on the ground, um, Siobhan Cordero as well. Then you got um, Buckner, Mil- Jalen Milrow, Kyron Drones, um, Carlos Del Rio has some potential options um, for the future. Sean Chambers there too. So, I mean, he's more running back than quarterback at this point, but should give you some nice production. Um, the running back room is definitely geared more towards college production production besides Bajon, obviously. Um, I'm hoping the NFL side is young because I don't think there's a ton of help on the horizon. Again, besides Bijan, um, they have Bijan. uh, then they have Dwayne McBride, Phil Maffa, Kevin Marks, Lou Nichols, Brian Kobach, um, Devin Coates. So they got some good options there. They should get a lot of production out of that crew. Uh the Wide receiver room is a little bit more on the opposite side of that, where I feel like they started Debbie early, uh, Troy Franklin, Chris Hilton, um, Bo Collins, and then the three of the first four wide receivers off the board. Um, but they do go with some, some college guys late. Um, you got Rucker, um, you got uh, Jeff Foreman, Elijah Cooks, Hassan Bedoun. Uh, I like the double tap of the Arkansas state guys. One of those guys should be a very high end producer. And I think the other one's going to be still pretty solid. Um, Justin Hall's in that room too. Um, The tight end room. um, It's, it's hard to get better than that. I mean, that tight end room is excellent. Yeah. Michael Mayer and Jalen Weidermeyer, Peyton Hendershot also very nice. Um, It's a little thin. I mean, those are the only three there. Um, So, you know, Weidermeyer probably gone after this year. Hendershot probably gone after this year. You could figure it out later. Um, <laughs> thanks, Kevin. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think overall this is uh, this is a really nice team. I gave it a B+.
0: I can I can work with that. That's how I got through school. All right, <laughs> so <laughs> Colin, uh, before we continue, who did you guess was Austin's team? Uh,
2: so without a doubt, team two. Has his fingerprints all over it. Okay.
1: What about Felix? But
2: the oh, hypocrisy sorry. of the Brew McCoy pick made me question it for a second.
1: Round like 20-something, he was <laughs> sitting there. I had to do it. All right.
0: So what uh what did um what'd you think for Felix?
1: Um
2: I'm pretty sure. Let me see. I'm not, I wasn't super confident on this one. Um, about 70% sure he's team six. It enough okay. classic Felix players that it made me lean in that direction.
0: And then what about my team?
2: Uh, your team. Uh, what team was that? I want to say. Yours was the one I felt the least confident about. I went with team 12 because it had a couple key, couple key Matt players, but those guys are also <laughs> just like pretty good players in general. So
1: I've always said Matt likes good players. So,
0: so like team you, you <laughs> nailed all three of them, by the way. So if you guys are looking at the score here, you can see how well, uh, Alfred, <laughs> Alfred, liked, <laughs> Alfred liked Austin. and, Felix <laughs> and my team We're in the bottom <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, let, let's continue that we'll keep with Alfred's and then I'll let you give like your, your rankings from at the bottom down once we get to him. But team four, he had as uh, the fourth team here, which was Brandon's team. So, Hey, Brandon hey, came comes in at four here with the 22.5. What was your thoughts on Brandon's team? You
2: um, said so that was team four? Yeah. Um, the QB room is is okay. Um, it's a little more college producer heavy. Um, I like that he double tapped the Texas Tech QBs. So, I mean, he gets that production from that offense. to get Shuck, who I don't love. But then when Shuck goes, he'll get Morton. Uh, and he has Ellaby, too. Um, so I, I like that. The uh, The running back room was really nice. Um, Bam Knight, Austin Jones, Mo Ibrahim, Letty Brown, Ty Chandler, and Caleb Hood. So he double-tapped the um, UNC running backs, too. I think it has a pretty good mix there of, like, guys who will produce and then some, some NFL potential. I don't think it has a high-end Debbie talent. Like, that's kind of what it's lacking. Um, Bam Knight, uh, Mo Ibrahim, Austin Jones, those guys, Ty Chandler, those guys will have a role, but I don't know how successful they'll be in the NFL. I don't know how much you're going to want to start them week in and week out, uh, wide receiver room, nice mix as well. Uh, definitely. This was like the focus of the team. I think, uh, Garrett Wilson, David Bell, Ja'Cory Brooks, like hard to argue with that trio. Um, Calvin Austin, also very nice. Marion Brown. And then they get a nice mix of some guys late who can produce um, Torrey Horton, you know, maybe more of the next year, but I think he'll still be a productive guy. She rice, Jaden blue. So I liked the wide receiver room. Um, the tight end room confused me a lot. It, it, is it one, one tight end? Yes, Just one. Yeah. It's cold. It's cold Turner, which is really nice, <laughs> but you yeah, got one tight end. That's it. I, I, I you got to find somebody else there. I mean, you could drop some of these, you, you can drop some of these running, uh, these uh, wide receivers that you got on there. Um, you, you don't need, you, you, there's a couple guys you, you could get rid right of there. So go at a tight end, Brandon.
0: All right. So, um, team, so overall, I gave oh, it a
2: beat as well.
0: So team eight, as we already discussed, that was Jay Haggerty. That's who, um, i'm sorry team five was next it was corbett chargers for alfred i'm just gonna go in order here team eight was Haggerty, who we already discussed team seven was uh british kev team nine logan team 12 was me team 11 michael team six felix and then team two austin that was how he uh (laughs) alfred kind of ranked ours out here i've always Uh, said alfred is my favorite yeah, we know. Uh, anyways, Colin, give just give like a, a breakdown of, of our three teams really quick. We'll post, a, if, you, if you don't mind, post your total notes or whatever up in the Discord so all the guys can see it. Uh, who are yeah. else in the Lister League? But we're running almost to an hour here. and My wife is giving me the eyes <laughs> and not the like bedroom the eyes. The like, I'm going to murder you, Oz, if we don't hurry up. Thing. Yeah, so go ahead. We'll start at the bottom with, I think, oh, yeah, it's Austin's team. With a total of 17 points, according to Alfred. Oh, Where did 10. you have Austin team? It was 10. a oh, um, yeah, I'm
2: not I'm 7. The 10. Yeah. I'm I liked Austin's team. The running run um, back
1: room is amazing. On my that field. running
2: back room is excellent. I, I said that um, uh, which team was that? Alfred's favorite team. I think it was team eight. I think they had a – or that was my favorite team, team eight. They had a nice running back room. Austin's is amazing. Yeah. Um, Travion Henderson, Jace McClellan, Jerome Ford, Devin Neal, Gabe Irvin, Corbin, Amon, Bonaconda. It goes on and on and on. It's just top to bottom stacked. Everything you could want in a running back room. Nice mix of, of Debbie Talon and, and some producers at, at the wide receiver position. Solid but unspectacular quarterbacks, which is not surprising yeah. coming from uh, Mr. Zero uh, QB. Um, he apparently also went zero tight end because that room is rough after hey, Dolphage after Dulcich that room is rough um you get Jermaine Terry and Brock Bowers so maybe but I'm not really optimistic about either of those two um uh, I gave it I gave it an a minus all
0: right what about Felix's team Who comes in at team six here um and it is what did he give Felix a whopping 17 points in the second to last team <laughs>
2: um <laughs> I gave this one a, a b plus um I like the – it's hard to argue with that QB room. DJU, Grayson McCall, DeLara, Mertz, Pratt. Um, he's got some nice upside play in Bailey and Anthony Richardson, Luke Altmaier. Um, RB room's pretty solid too. Double tapped both the Arizona guys. Um, you know, Chris Smith and Rocket Sanders, Tuggle. So I like that. The wide receiver room's a little rough behind Burton and Omiri in terms of Debbie prospects, but with a couple dart throws there. Um, Te room's nice though. Uh, Isaiah Likely, Austin Stogner, Josh Simon, um, and a dart throw with Calcaterra. So overall, pretty good team.
0: All right, and then last but not least, your thoughts on my team? Alfred gave it a whopping eighteen point five points, and I came in as the fourth worst team. <laughs>
2: um, I gave this one a nice B. Um, uh, it's cool. got fuck th- to th- you too, buddy. Lower than Austin <laughs> and Felix. <laughs> and mocks if you're counting at home um no I I like the QB room um it just it doesn't have anybody that I feel really good about in either end of college production or Debbie they're kind of just like in the middle guys except for Ritter Ritter will provide some really nice college production um the the running back room it definitely has a Debbie lean um but it's got some nice production as well. Big B, Ramon Davis, Ulysses Bentley, Kevin Marks, Amani Bailey. Um, wide receiver room definitely went very, very Debbie heavy here. Um, I mean, there's definitely some some guys who will give you a little bit of production, but you, with Alave, Ibuka, McMillan, Gary Bryant, um, definitely leaned more towards the Debbie aspect there. And tight end. Um, this might be the weakest tight end room outside of Brandon, who only had one. Um, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin is, is, is okay. Uh, Malcolm Epps, eh. Um, yeah, uh, the tight end room leaves a lot to be desired there. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't
0: really thrilled with any of the guys there. I'm not even sure who the last tight end was I drafted. I just grabbed a dude. So.
2: Christian Trahan? I don't even sure know who that thing. is either.
0: He's I think he's the Houston tight end if I remember correctly. but it's just cause he scored a lot of points last year. And I was like, yeah, I need a, I just need a tight end. so I'm just going to grab somebody. All right. So that, that'll do it for that. I will have uh, Colin post his notes um, or send them to me and I'll post them in our Debbie debate listener chat so that everybody can see their full grades that Colin gave them. Uh, and I'll post Alfred's notes as well. Uh, but clearly they liked uh, most of the listeners teams more than the three of ours. Well, I mean, except for mine, I guess. Uh, every, they liked everybody else's, so that that does it for that. Though you possibly. didn't have my worst grade. Well, that that was second worst.
2: No, there were a couple. There were a couple B minuses in there. I steered away from the C's. You didn't um, give a single C.
0: Oh wait, wait, so. So B wasn't the worst. I thought B was worse. I guess B minus is worse. So that makes more sense. This COVID is, I don't have COVID. Just <laughs> this cold though is like really got my brain messed up. So
1: um,
2: no, I didn't give any C's. I'm not you a super A's so what I'm hearing from minuses and pluses.
0: Here, here's what I'm hearing from Colin is Colin graded our teams the way I grade uh freshman prospects. I'm like, oh, I think this guy could be good. And Austin's like, nah, he fucking sucks. Move on. So, anyways, <laughs> Austin, why don't you take us uh, out of the show here?
1: Yeah, so I guess uh from Austin Nace, or no, sorry, I guess I, I'm not I'm not good at this one. This is usually Felix handles this. So check out all the content that we have over at CampusCant.com and all of the podcasts in the C2C family, including um, the both the C2C Campus Life and Canton Bound, Fantasy Football Roundtable, and the new and improved Why Wait Till Sunday featuring Chris Moxley. That is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. Colin talked too much. Ran out of time, but we will get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning, for Colin Decker, for Chris Moxley. I am Austin Nace. Good night and good luck.
0: Field, intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25 and Apple will go to the ground at the 32 and that's it Ohio State national champions for the 8th time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20 here's Tua
1: stepping back loads up looks long throws end zone touchdown. touchdown Alabama Devontae Smith touchdown Alabama And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the College Football Mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th
0: overall.
1: Watson takes a snap rolls right. Looks at the end goal. Hunter inbound. Cut it. Touchdown. 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 With a second left, Watson
2: hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31
0: lead and is one second away from the
2: second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's up to the races. Nobody will catch him.